Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today on the Zabecast, Josh Allen is the new QB alpha in the NFL. What struggling second-year player has shockingly similar stat comps? Goalpost GoFundMes. ESPN stoops to even new race-baiting lows. Jordan Poyer's excellent road trip, dirty announcer references, and please don't hunt with Krispy Kremes. Your bonus, 35 minutes of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Tuesday, October 18, 2022. Thank you for downloading. Just you and me today. It snowed here in Wisconsin on Monday morning. It was a light snow, a flurry, but uh, still a trace of accumulation in some parts. As they say, it gets late early around here, especially with the weather. You know, when I first lived in the upper Midwest, In Northbrook, Illinois, I was taken at just how quickly it sort of snapped, you know? The falls, they come and they come hard. Wait, is that a is that a sexual double entendre? More on that in just a second, because that's a part of today's Zabecast. Sexual double entendres in sports broadcasting. But yeah, the falls, they come at you quick and it turns and it's gone. And it's usually right around this time, right around mid-October. And by Halloween, you're getting some really, really cold weather. And then the flip side is spring in the upper Midwest takes forever. In fact, actually spring, I would say, only lasts a brief second. Winter just hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. Then there was a brief little flurry of spring sometime in mid to even late May. And then it turns into summer, and summer's glorious. June, July, August, and even September, glorious months. But you're not getting five good months here. You're going to get four good ones, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna watch it go pretty quick in the fall. I think the opposite of that is when I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, where falls would last forever, and they were glorious in the Carolinas. I mean, we're talking nice, good weather. I mean, all the way well into November, well into Thanksgiving, and then right around the end of the year, into January, a kiss, as Bill Rafter would say, of winter. And then spring came super early down in Charlotte. You know, it comes like in early to mid-March, and then April is glorious, and May gets warm, and the summers are hot as balls, but then again, the summers are hot as balls in the D.C. area. So, I don't know. You tell me, what do you think is the best weather all around? In the country, 
best weather city. I've said how D.C. has the worst weather because we get the worst of everything. The worst rains, the worst tornadoes, the worst hurricanes, the worst snowstorms, the worst blizzards, the worst heat, the worst freezing cold. There's nothing pretty much that the D.C. area can't get in terms of weather. Other regions, they'll get really bad on one end, but not so much on the other. And I know you're going to say San Diego has the best weather in the country, and it's, it's really, really good. That said, though, it's all one thing. If you like variety, then I think you would want a little bit of something else. I, I think that for variety's sake, if you like the seasonality, it's hard to beat the Carolinas. I was a big fan of it. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not depressed about it. It's nice. It's, uh, it's fall. You know, there's still some leaves on the trees that are turning. And it's football season, so let's talk football. Let's talk Josh Allen for a quick second here. I'm watching the highlights from their come-from-behind wind against Kansas City. Double entendre, ding. And Josh Allen, holy shit. Everyone was, all the pundits on Monday were saying, has he taken over in the MVP race? Oh, yeah. And not only has he taken the lead in the MVP race, he is a one-of-one. There is nobody else like him. Yes, Lamar Jackson can run like the wind faster, more elusive, but also he made a shit ton of mistakes in losing that game against the Giants. But he's not as big, not as rugged, doesn't have the passing skills, doesn't have the arm talent, and doesn't have the cajones that Josh Allen has when the game is on the line. The throw, the touchdown throw to Dawson Knox was amazing. Him running for a first down and hurdling a dude. You've got quarterback sliding short of a yard of the first down. Like, oh, let me slide. The Royals say that I ain't going to slide. I won't get hit. And Josh Allen's like, what? I'm just going to jump over a dude. It's amazing to see. And you know whose numbers, early numbers, first year and a half, are comping just the numbers, not the eye test, but whose numbers are comping to uh, Josh Allen? Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is a big boy, and he can run, and he's tough. He's got the arm, but he's a little bit raw. Is it possible? I I don't think Justin Fields has it, but we shall see. But the numbers apparently are tracking eerily similar. If the Bears do what the Bills did and nurture him and let him blossom into this all-world badass, man, will Bear fans be over the moon because they... Haven't had anybody at that position since basically ever. And even when they had Jim McMahon, he was just the punky QB. He was the ride-along. He was the hand it to Walter Payton, make a couple of throws a game to Willie Galt maybe and a couple of the guys, and then let the defense do what they do best, which is to wreck people's shit. But I think Josh Allen has become the Mr. Quarterback in the NFL, the it guy. Even more than Mahomes, the magic biracial side-arming unicorn, who's still great, by the way, but threw a pick to end the game. Speaking of quarterbacks, about the balls on Tom Brady. Tom Brady is already, he missed 11 days at camp just to try to save his marriage. And they said, oh, no, this is prearranged. And uh, by the way, it's none of your business. And then he gets every Wednesday off, according to Todd Bowles now. And then he missed a walkthrough, apparently, to be at the Bob Kraft surprise wedding on Friday. And then he ends up losing to Mitch Trubisky and a combination of him and Kenny Pickett and then yells out his offensive line. I was 
watching ESPN's Monday morning coverage in the aftermath of the NFL weekend, and I certainly am not smarter for having done so. And I heard Stephen A. Smith actually utter the phrase, let's be honest here, in this moment, Tom Brady becomes the angry white man. Wow. I guess I shouldn't expect anything of ESPN at this point, but talk about low-hanging, absolutely despicable racial demagoguery. He became the angry white man. What in the fuck does his race have to do with anything? You know that guys yell at players and teammates all the time. I will say it was it is kind of bullshit that Brady is like so separate from the team. It's total. Like, yeah, I'm just going to do what I do. Like, it's a bad look for Brady to be yelling at his offensive line, whether it was warranted or not. Even Rodgers did not yell out his offensive line, and he deserved to do that because they couldn't block anybody. Royce Newman is a damn traffic cone right now. You put a traffic cone out there, it'll provide as much blocking as Newman. Newman. But that said, the whole, he became the angry white man. Oh, my God. And then you had Ryan Clark get into the fact that um, Kenny, uh, what's his name for the uh, Jets? Kenny Anderson. Kenny Anderson? Why am I having such a hard time? Robbie Anderson. Thank you. Ken Anderson, quarterback, Bengals. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver, with the fantastic sideshow Bob hair. Wow. His hair. You see when he took his helmet off? Robbie Anderson... I believe is a criminal record. I believe he once, when he was with Miami, or is that Kenny Stills? Uh, or maybe he was, uh, let's see, Robbie Anderson. This is when he was with the Jets, I believe. Uh, Robbie Anderson arrested. Just a little fact-checking right here, and everyone calm down, okay? Yeah, there we go. Jets' Robbie Anderson won't be suspended for two arrests during the offseason. <laughs> Amazing. Arrested in May of 2017 at Miami's Music Festival and charged with resisting arrest and violence and obstruction of justice. He was arrested again in Sunrise, Florida in January after a traffic stop and charged with nine separate counts. Upon the second arrest, he was charged with resisting an officer, obstruction without violence, felony harm to a public servant or family, felony fleeing or eluding while lights and siren are active, reckless driving, failed to drive in a single lane, two counts of disobeying and avoiding a red light, speeding and turning without a signal. According to the police report, Anderson threatened to sexually assault the arresting officer's wife. This guy. Now, he's a good wide receiver, but at some point you'd wonder, is this guy worth the trouble? Well, obviously Arizona thought he was worth the trouble because they just traded for him today. But yeah, Steve Wilkes, new interim head coach, black, Anderson, black, and the ESPN crew and Clay Clark or uh, Ryan Clark were talking about, you know, this is a bad look. This is a bad look that here you have a player who wouldn't think about doing this to Matt Rule, the white full-time head coach, and then as soon as the brother gets in there, he didn't say that, but I'm saying that, as soon as the black head coach takes over, he's like saying shit to him that is getting him ejected from the game by his own team. That's something I don't ever quite remember seeing. But yeah, they were sort of tiptoeing and dancing around that. Again, 
I don't know if you have to make it a racial thing on either front, whether Tom Brady is the angry white man or if this is somehow a really bad look that, that uh, Robbie Anderson yelled at his new interim head coach. Maybe you just saw an opportunity like, yeah, I, I want out of here. They've fired the head coach. This team's going nowhere. How do I do it? Oh, I'll tell the new guy to go fuck himself on the sideline after a play that I didn't like. And that ought to do it. Oh, yeah, he is black, too. I, I, I didn't even notice that. That was nothing to do with nothing. It was just literally, I want to get out of here. And oh, by the way, uh, I'm Robbie Anderson. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. He's all yours, Arizona. Good luck with it. Let me know how it goes. Dirty announcing double entendres. How do we feel about them? Look, I'm no Puritan, as you guys know. I like a good laugh, and I like guys being guys. (laughs) But I kind of think these two examples are beneath the guys who are doing them, if they're doing them on purpose. Now, we'll see if you think these were on purpose. First one is from last night's Cowboy Eagle game. Chris Collinsworth had the following about a angry run right up the middle by an Eagles player. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me make sure this is connected. Oh, hold on. Landon Dickerson. God darn it. Yeah, I could have had this all set up before the podcast, but I didn't. All right. Mixcast four. There we go. Now it's- How about if you get a little taste of Landon Dickerson coming right down your throat? <laughs> get it? Coming right down your throat. How about if you get a little taste of Landon Dickerson coming right down your throat? Now, was that an intentional double entendre to make people snicker and to solidify Chris Collinsworth and his dude-like bona fides? Hey, man, did you hear what I said last night? How about if you get a little taste of Landon Dickerson coming right down your throat? Now, in defense of Collinsworth, that expression, coming down your throat, lots of things come down your throat. Whether it's a smooth milkshake or whether it's a shot of whiskey that burns. How about if you get a little taste of Landon Dickerson coming right down your throat? I don't know about that. I think he probably did it on purpose. I just think it's beneath the guy who's doing color for the games. I'm not one of these pearl clutching, oh, what about the kids? I just think it's, it's, it's low-hanging cheap fruit that they, they shouldn't go to. RG3 had the following. This is more egregious. This was from a game against Stanford a while ago. Jorkinson beat that beaver up. Wow. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Jorkinson beat that beaver up. Wow. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that would be, that would be uh, the Stanford-Oregon State game. Oregon State Beavers beat that beaver up. Obviously, a uh, sexual double entendre that the way it was delivered and knowing RG3 had to be intentional. Again, these are things that you say, you got to be better than that. At least I think that's the case. Speaking of be better, Bob Costas is getting killed by a lot of people for his calls in the playoff series between the Yankees and the Guardians whose result was too late for today's Zabecast. Please check your local paper and or app to see who won that loser-go-home best of five. This email from Mike Hall Bauer. Is that Mike in Madison, Ohio, Mike Hall? 
Or is it a different Mike Hall Bauer? Anyway, he says, it may just be me and my nostalgia, but I don't remember Bob Costas being the most vanilla play-by-play guy in baseball, which he apparently is now. No enthusiasm whatsoever, even for a two-out, bottom-of-the-ninth-inning, game-winning hit at home against the evil empire. He's the Stephen Wright of announcing. Yeah, cop pulled me over. Said I was going 90 miles an hour. I said, I don't plan to be out that long. Pretty funny comic. Had a one-shtick act, old Stephen Wright. His calls throughout the series have sucked the life out of games. But on the final play, his call was dripping with disappointment. To be fair, I'm a lifelong Cleveland fan, and he's clearly a diehard Yankees apologist, but he makes your boy Al Michaels look sound like a Brazilian soccer announcer. Go! I think a couple things. I said on Twitter, and I'll reiterate it here, I think Bob Costas doesn't have the low-end pipes to really properly punch up uh, those game-winning calls. I think secondly, the actual production and the game mix quality of all the sound engineers and where they're putting their mics, the crowd mics, and the on-field mics, and the guy with the giant mixer board to make sure the mix sounds just right. It's different from broadcast to broadcast. And then you just have to have the low-end pop to be able to punch it home which the best play-by-play guys do, and I think that Bob Costas doesn't have that. He also loves to tell stories, and get a load of this, Mike Francesor thinks he needs to shut up with the stories in the Yankees' history. Beta got a home run. So you got three home runs. You use the power. Costas, who will not be quiet no matter what. Listen, (laughs) Costas has just, I don't know, he thinks that I guess every word is golden because he just will not shut up. Everything's a history lesson. We don't need a history lesson every two seconds. Okay? Everybody's a Yankee fan. They have Yankee history. They understand Yankee history. They know it backwards and forwards. See, here's the thing. Okay, Francesa, not everybody watching the game is a Yankee fan. You are. There's a lot of other people out there. He's broadcasting for a national audience, but okay. I, I get it that he's gone too far. It's not a history class. It's a baseball game. <laughs> Be quiet. Do the game. He's driving everybody crazy. He must have said a thousand times, the Yankee home runs. We know the Yankees have doubled their home runs this year. We know the Indians hit 127 homers and the Yankees hit 254. We know that. Everybody knows it. No. Make the point once, not 4,000 times. <laughs> that is rich coming from him, to be sure. Speaking of multiple TV setups, got a couple of emails here with potential solutions, question mark. Brad Rawson says, Zabe, I'm a one percenter who lives in the DMV and needs a recommendation on a company that can install a three TV setup or at least a quick piece of advice from you. I've got a 65-inch TV with a Sonos soundbar, Verizon Fios, and plan on adding two 42-inch TVs. My current plan is to add two small additional Fios boxes that will sit behind the new TVs and use the Fios app to turn on the stations of each TV. I care less about the sound as I primarily will be listening to whatever is on the main TV and can use the native speakers of the 42-inch TVs if needed. If you Let me know if there's a device or anything I need to make this the best possible experience. Looking forward to more Capital Golf Gang, my second favorite product after your sessions with Notorious J.A.Y. Sincerely, Brad Rossum. Okay, Brad, couple things. Number one, there really aren't companies that do reliable, turnkey, affordable, not going to rip you off, AV install setups at home. There just aren't. There are companies that do it, 
but they primarily make their bread and butter on commercial installs in which they pay, in which these commercial entities pay a shit ton of money and they make their margins on. And then if you're a homeowner, it's like, I just want this hooked up here, that hooked up there. Can you do it for me? They, my experience has been unsatisfactory. In fact, there's one company that did a redo of the five-hour energy dome that I won't mention here, but I should. I should blast them to the moon. Most unethical slimeball company in Northern Virginia I've ever dealt with. That said, you can do it yourself. And that said, here is my number one recommendation. Make sure that you can toggle the sound between the three different screens. Don't make it so that you have to ever change the channel. Get three screens of sports and make the two side screens big enough that you can watch them comfortably for little chunks and stretches at a time as those games get good and just punch the sound left, right, center, left, right, center. That's the way you want to do it. Don't worry about flipping it to this TV and back and forth. And I would also recommend against universal remotes. Universal remotes are complicated. They are faulty. They, excuse me, they work most of the time, but not always. And while in theory, it's like, well, I want my wife to be able to use this when I'm gone. And, you know, she gets confused by all the stuff. It's better to have three separate remotes for each TV and just line them up on the table. And then have one remote that toggles the sound between the three. You can get a sound bar that has multiple inputs and route it through there. Most modern AV receivers that have the 7-1 sound or even 9-1 surround sound, you're able to switch stuff. But those, those receivers are incredibly complex. They're even daunting for me. I've tried to figure out mine, and it's like, Zone output this, route this here, uh, phonograph. It's a million different things. I would love something simpler. There are simpler soundbars out there that let you toggle between the three. But my main thing is, one, there's no company out there, and they'd rip you off anyway. Two, get th- just settle for three remotes for the three TVs you're going to drive. Line them up. Don't obsess about, I've got to get it into one remote. You put everything in one remote, something's not going to fucking work right. You go to sit down and watch three TVs, you're going to take literally 30 seconds to go, click, new remote, click, new remote, click, new remote. Okay, we're all on. Great. Wouldn't you love to be able to turn it all on and off with one press? Yeah, I would. But I don't want to have to worry about reprogramming this $500 remote when it goes to shit. So I'll just stick with a three. Then there's this uh, from Joe Stadstad. Stadstad? S-T-A-D-S-T-A-D. Real name? Not sure. Pretty cool if it is. Joe Stadstad writes to say, good morning, Mr. Zabin. Writing with a multi-screen idea you probably already thought of. Thanks to you, I'm a three-screen person in my basement. On your podcast, you mentioned having a single screen in your Milwaukee residence. Perhaps the Apple TV 4K will be worthy of consideration for your multi-screen stopgap. Now I'm going to have to research what is the Apple TV 4K. I think I already have an Apple TV box, and I think it's already 4K. Though not the perfect solution, you can use the Apple device to give you two, three, and four ESPN feeds at a time through the device. I use it to show four college football games through my ESPN Plus app. Perhaps a solution you have considered, but I thought I should send it just in case. Thank you for a great podcast. I will have to investigate that tonight on how that works. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. David Donahue on email says, Krisham did hit a home run. Zabie's been really hot all playoffs. He's been there as a good defender as well, but he was really bad this year. His days, however, are numbered. As for Pip, imagine what Pip would look like today on a 70 to 80 inch 4K TV. That'd be like having a 36 inch TV on the wall. I don't think it'd be that big, but it would it'd be watchable for sure. On a side note, writes David, he says, are you not annoyed at the complete lack of 4K NFL games? We're able to get multiple 4K college games each week, CBS slumming in a compressed 1080 still. It's a shame for that Bama-Tennessee game. Here's my thoughts on 4K, true, native, glorious 4K. It's not happening. Sorry. It's like the wave. We saw it coming off the ocean. Here comes 4K. Here it comes. We got the TVs for it. All right, broadcasters, Let's upgrade all that equipment one more time. Let's get the 4K cameras. Let's get the 4K trucks. Let's get the 4K transmit. What? Hey, CBS, what are you doing? 4K. Haven't you heard? We got 4K sets. What's that? N- nobody cares? What do you mean nobody cares? I care. I want the 4K. I just think that the 4K is another click of quality that's not good enough for most people. And so therefore, it's probably never going to get widespread adoption. Or if not never, it's going to be a while. It's going to have to be the point where nobody is doing anything less than 4K. It's amazing that our phones are 4K the way they are. Now, granted, they got very small sensors, so the size of the files aren't as onerous because the sensor is small, but still 4K in your phone, and we can't get 4K games. Go figure. How about Jordan fucking Poyer, safety, Buffalo Bills? He's got a rib injury that doctors weren't real comfortable putting him on a plane with because of the uh, pressurization issue with the cabin. And so he said, fuck it, I'll drive to Kansas City. 
15 hours each way, played the entire game, didn't miss a snap. That's awesome. P.S., he didn't quite drive himself. He had somebody drive him, and he's probably in a very nice SUV with a reclining seat and probably made several stops along the way to get some snacks and have a road trip with buddies. God, somebody! I hope somebody did some social media on that. It'd be nice if somebody was in the car like, watch, we're bringing Jordan Poyer all the way to Kansas City just to play in this game. Tennessee's got a goalpost GoFundMe for the two goalposts that were ripped down in the celebration after they beat Alabama. They're looking for $75,000 apiece. However, some people have said this is actually a hoax, a work, a scam. What if somebody set up a GoFundMe that had all the imprimatur, all the logos, all the sort of badging of this is the university's request for money, and yet it was just going to somebody's pocket? Uh, I wouldn't sh- it wouldn't shock me if that were the case. They are expensive. I, I think it's more like, it should be more like a $30,000 per copy job. The seventy five grand. somebody is making out pretty good on that. The posts themselves should be about fifteen grand installation. Give it another ten. Overruns, shipping, delivery. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if they said, "Oh, you need you got a game this Saturday oh, at home." Well, our newest, our nearest installation date, our next one is not till December fifth. So can we, we can put you on a wait list. Maybe we'll get you in. I don't know what you're going to do for this game on Saturday, and then. When they finally get an appointment, they say, well, we'll be at Neyland Stadium between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Make sure somebody is there to let us in so we can do the install. Then they show up with the wrong hardware or the wrong style of goalposts or the wrong color. Oh, God, these are college posts. I'm so sorry. They're the short ones. <sighs> Warehouse made a mistake, sent the wrong ones. Oh, let me get on my phone here. I'll see how soon we can get something. What's that, a game Saturday? I know. I know. We're trying to get them up. Not as easy as you think. Keep cash alive. I'm down with the cause on this, even though I am terrible now at keeping cash and using cash. Saw this on social media, little handout, just a little, uh, not quite a card, but a piece of paper, slip of paper that says, I paid cash today for a reason. One, to save this business money on transaction fees. Two, to give this business more control over their profits. Three, to support my local economy and community. Four, to keep my purchases and location anonymous. Ding, ding, ding. That to me is the biggest one. And five, to keep cash alive. It says using cash can be inconvenient, but what if it's worth it? Here's a two-minute read. Excuse me. Tell me what you think www.keepcashalive.com. I agree with all this, but it's hard. The biggest thing is, as we get sucked into a cashless society, we're more and more fucked because of anonymity. Well, if you're not buying anything you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to be worried. Tell me you don't understand privacy without telling me you don't understand privacy. If you're not doing anything wrong. In a cashless society, the government's ability to start closing in on you and restricting you in ways that are downright evil increase with every click of the wheel, and we're not going the other direction. 
Yeah, and there is saving the business money on transaction fees. Now, there's a downside to cash. Cash is dirty. It's physically dirty. It's also more easily siphoned off. It's uh, harder to track for businesses. Uh, employees that are unscrupulous walk off with it, and they go, ah, I don't know what happened with the cash. Whereas if it's all digital, it's a lot more convenient. It's not as good from an accounting standpoint. It's also such that, you know, okay, I could order something I need off of Amazon, do I, but do I want to get in the car and drive to a Best Buy, drive to a Target to try to find a, a USB cable I need, or just go click, 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 here we go. But yeah, I want to I want to keep using cash as much as possible to keep cash alive. I'm with it. But and of course there's the downside of the illegal activities I know with cash purchases, drug purchases, illegal sex work, human trafficking, all the bad shit. But bad shit is part of a free and robust society. There's no two ways around it. Dateline outer space black hole burps up star Years after eating it, stumping scientists. <laughs> that was kind of like the burp I just had on the podcast. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. A black hole just years after eating a star went, <laughs> oh man, that, that star didn't go down right. I'm going to burp that thing out. Outer space is absolutely fascinating. Dateline, that's your job. I can't even believe this is a real story. Senator Schumer, the public needs to lobby the FAA to ban a potential plan by airlines to shrink airline seats. Are you kidding me? Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer wants to ground a potential plan from the FAA that would allow airlines to take off with a plan to shrink passenger seats. The New York Democrat revealed a little-known possibility of the FAA allowing for smaller airplane seats and warned the public only had until November 1st to weigh in on the issue via the public comment process. Now, generally, I'm a free market capitalist, and you might say, well, look, if an airline wants to shrink their seats, that's going to be bad for them because people are like, holy fuck, these seats are small. I'm not flying Airline X. That's in theory. In reality... Once you let them do this, they'll all go to that, and then you'll have no choice. Southwest, Delta, American, United, everyone else, Continental, Eastern, TWA, they're all closed at Banker. Okay, fine, there's a few airlines out. Braniff would go to a, see, now I'm just flexing on all the defunct airlines out there. They'd all go to the smaller size. They already all have gone to smaller sizes over the years for profitability. In the 1970s, the pitch length, which would be from the edge of your seat to the seat in front of you, the average pitch length has decreased from 35 inches to 31 inches. The average seat width has been cut from 18 and a half inches in the 90s to about 17 inches. And then there's the case of getting stuck between People who are clearly morbidly obese. There was a woman who went viral because she popped off on social media saying, look at these two ginormous fatties I had to sit in between on a recent flight. And they were, oh, they were Lizzo-sized. But she's beautiful just the way she is. She shouldn't lose a pound. Beautiful. Picture of beauty. Just comes in a different size. 
There, was that convincing? Anyway, you get stuck between them. Like, the airline will issue seatbelt extenders while at the same time insisting, oh, no, this person fits into the seat just fine and doesn't ooze over into your space. But they don't even fit into the seatbelt, dear Delta. How can you say they fit into the seat that you have shrunk by two inches wide and four inches front to back on average since deregulation? Hey, Schumer, this is your job. Don't make us call the FAA and register our complaint. We're busy. We got shit to do. Do you fly? You fly coach? Oh, you do. Okay. You fucking know the situation. They're already too small as it is. Letting them go smaller. No. This is where you and your colleagues, here's one issue. God, one issue in this country. We can come across the aisle together and kumbaya on. Put a stop to this. Tell the FAA as a federal agency, you will be signing your own death warrant if you approve this over my dead fucking body. But I guess I got to call the FAA now and say, what are you, crazy? No. Smaller seats, not going to happen. Headline, Florida Good Samaritan, quote unquote, discovers $150,000 worth of cocaine washed up on shoreline, gives it to cops. I don't know if I'd call that a Good Samaritan. Good Samaritans return people's wallets or phones or things that they rightfully legally own. They don't turn in coke to the authorities. Not that it wasn't the right move. Oh, by the way. Think about that. You uh, find a package with 11 pounds of cocaine, street value 150 grand. What do you do with it? There's a temptation thinking, wow, this is like winning a small lottery prize. Uh, Look at all this cocaine. I don't use cocaine, but I could probably sell it to somebody who does. No, no, no. You never want to try to sell that because, like, where are you going to (laughs) go? Who are you going to talk to that you know could buy $150,000 worth of cocaine that doesn't rhyme with schmartel? You really want to get in the business of being tight with the cartel? Hey, I found it. Plus, it could have been their cocaine anyway. Or they could have said, oh, thanks, That's it's $150,000 street value, but you found it. It's not our cocaine. It's a rival cartel's cocaine. Uh, we're going to, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll buy that from you, but we, we want a discount because y- you didn't pay one hundred and fifty grand for it. So we'll pay you half, seventy five grand. Does that sound good? Oh, yeah, sure. That's, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> They're the cartel. They will give you to, get you to give them the cocaine and then either leave you for dead somewhere or just say, we're not paying you. What are you going to do about it, John Q. Citizen? Unless you were a recreational user of cocaine, you could, in theory, keep it stashed away in your house and say, you know, this is going to last me several years. What is the shelf life of cocaine? It's, it's got to be almost infinity, right? Wouldn't know. Uh, cocaine users that listen to the Zabecast, please chime in and let me know that. And yeah, you probably want to take it off the street. You do want to give it to cops. But I would almost worry, like, where the cops going to go, hey, how do we know you found this? How do we know you're not involved in this? I think the safest thing, sad to say, is to see it and go, okay, not my monkey, not my circus. I'm going to keep it walking. And we'll end on this today. 
Headline, New York Hunter ticketed for illegal donuts. Hudson Valley, New York. A New York Hunter is accused of illegally using donuts as bear bait on state land in the Hudson Valley. Officers tried to catch the hunter just as the sun began to rise and found a person bow hunting for bear over bait in one of these suspected stands. The bait consisted of donuts placed in trees, smeared on tree bark, and placed in tree knots. The hunter first told officers, oh no, I had planned to eat all the donuts and just couldn't finish them and insisted that the donuts found in a tree stump, (laughs) perfect bear bait, were there by accident. Hey, boo-boo bear. Let's go get some of them donuts. I think it's hilarious that one of the magnificent creatures of the wild, deadly, amazing, mythical creature, a bear, if given the choice between berries and other fruits and leaves, although I don't think bears eat leaves, or other animals, (laughs) bears would say, oh, fuck donuts. I am there. That is essentially the donuts in the break room of the wild. It's not fair game to be hunting bears with Krispy Kremes. All right, that is a wrap for today. I hope you enjoyed our little conversation together. I appreciate it. If this podcast resonates with you and you like it, it's an enjoyable part of your day, do recommend it. That'd be great. Or rate and review on iTunes. That does help please the algorithmic overlords. Tomorrow, Church is back in the rotation. And he's got news on his camper. So you're going to want to tune in and download for that. Have a great Monday, everybody, or great Tuesday now, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.